0: Yeah, you can have a seat. What a joy it is to be here. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and go like, it's good to see you at church. Now Turn the other way to your second choice. You know, the person you don't like quite as much. Tell them, it's good to see you too. Come on. I love Celebrate Church. Even your name just puts me alive, I'm telling you. It's so fun to be here. It feels like home, partly because, you know, I know my brother, and, and he's the pastor here and things, but, like, here's the thing that I observe about Celebrate Church that I'm like, I wish I could just wrap it up, put it in a box, steal it. No, well, you could share with us. I don't have to actually steal it and bring it to where, where I am is, is the level of prayer The level of hearing from the Lord, the level of intercession that happens here is unparalleled. I I, I don't think you realize the environment you're in. It is an amazing move of God how the prayer ministry and the authenticity of a high reverence of God, it's just, I'm telling you, you you think it's normal. I'm telling you, an hour down the road, that is ain't normal. Today, I'm like, hey, today, could you try to pray with someone? That's what I told my staff today because it, it's just not here. Like, I, I've already prayed more here on this day than I do at my own church, because it's the environment of this. Now, some of you are like, jeez, you should get your church in order. <laughs> I get that, I get that. But it, uh, it just, I had the privilege of being here early while the team was rehearsing. I, I got to participate. There's like 10, 12 of us in the room. The worship this morning was the most powerful, impactful Worship I've been a part of uh, since COVID started. There's something in the room today. There's, there, and I think it has a little bit to do with what happened yesterday, where, where, where people came uh, to experience freedom, things that have been hanging on them for so long. And they finally, we got rid of it. We handed it over to the Lord. And, and, and this worship team and the, the people who prayed yesterday, can I just say thank you such an incredible job serving and loving. Um, I have a hunch too, like, uh, this backdrop's beautiful. I, I just, it's normal to you. I come in here and I'm just like, oh, just the. Artistry, just using your gifts from God. So I, I just tell you, there's something going on here. If if you feel like you know, in cruise control, can I wake you up a little bit? That's kind of my calling in life to be catalytic in people who have fallen asleep in what amazing things God has done in their life. And my job is just kind of like, have you forgotten who you were before Jesus? Whoo, come on. You weren't pretty. <laughs> but with Christ. He has made you beautiful. And so, so here, here it is. If you're, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not a Christian, I love you. I hope you get something from this. I think you will. I really do. But for those of you who, who would say, I am a Christian, I, I follow the Lord, like it shouldn't be a shock to you that, that one of your primary callings, primary responsibilities is to love God and to love others love God and to love others. And, 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 and this idea of loving God and loving others um, is really uh, connected to your, your rooting and your believing in how much you are loved by God. And so we're in this series about his heart. And it's, it, it's, it's my responsibility to teach you about his heart is selflessly sacrificial. And, 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 and here's, here's the fun news. I misread that when it was assigned to me. I prepared a completely different message. And then last night, I'm going through my notes, and then I just, you know, double-checked the email, and I'm like, wow, I need to start all over. So you're getting something fresh out of the cooker, all right? Uh, this is un, unprepped, unprepared, just Holy Spirit, show up. Come on. Who knows, that's gonna be fun. Either the preacher's gonna be like freaking out and it's, like, it's gonna be like fun to watch him embarrass himself or it's gonna be so powerful, like you, it's clear he had nothing to do with it. Either one's entertaining, right? All right, so. Have you ever noticed there's different levels of love? Like my love for Chex Mix hopefully looks different than my love for my wife. Hopefully. Hopefully, some of you are like, I don't know, man. Homemade Chex Mix or just the kind in the little blue bag? Because if it's all made Mix, I'm telling you. woo I love you, babe. More than check Mix. All right. It's crazy. Like, like, you hear that God loves you, and, and, and that's great and amazing. But over time, I think there's this way where we become so used to hearing it that it no longer marvels us. Like, somehow, some way, we become familiar with the amazing, and it loses its awe. And so, so this, this concept that the... The heart of Jesus is selflessly sacrificial, which I think is demonstrated in his love. You've heard it so much, you don't even care. And so today, I want to kind of step into that a little bit. I kind of want to help us to, to kind of remember the speta- spectacular of all that Christ has done. Do you remember the first time it made sense that you were forgiven? Some of you, you might not. Some, some of you, you, you've grown up in church and it's always been church. But for me, I grew up in church and it felt like rules. Never felt like a relationship. And I, I went away to a camp after my freshman year in college. Uh, depression was at an all-time high. I saw no hope. I hated myself. And there at this Christian camp out in the woods, I, I'm reading scripture, debating if there's any hope for me, if there's any reason for living. And I'm through my Bible and I've read my Bible a lot but somehow that day the Holy Spirit allowed my eyes to see grace, not law. Hope, not hopelessness. That that Jesus loved me, forgave me, has a plan and purpose for me. I left this thing called a retreat of silence. I go out, I find this camp counselor and I start talking to him. I'm just like, I think think God wants to have a relationship with us. He's like, "Uh uh-huh. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, he, he speaks to us. He's like, yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. And I mean, I just, I just keep going and going and going. He finally goes, have you not heard this before? I was like, no. He's like, I think you just converted yourself out in the woods. <laughs> but, but, but here's the thing. For me, I'm in the awe and wonder. I'll do anything. God, I can't believe you forgave me. And he's like, Yeah. You haven't heard that before? Do you see how you can get so familiar with the selfless sacrifice of God that it becomes normal? And today I want to kind of just unpack a little bit. What would it look like to remember the depth of God's love for us? And so uh, I think I have a slide, four ways to measure the depth of love. There are I, I just want to, there's, there's, there's ways where love, just, there's, there's greater depths of it, right? And I go back to my checks Mix or my wife example. You can tell. There's a different depth of love there. But I love them both. Um, and so I want to just kind of walk you through four of these, all right? And so if you're a note taker, take notes. If you're not, try to remember. All right. We know the depth of someone's love for us by what it costs them. And so the first one is its, it, it's cost. Some things have a higher cost in loving than other things? Uh, how much inconvenience or sacrifice did it cost the one who loved you? And, and, and I want you in the backdrop always having the filter of Jesus, but it's also how you love others too, okay? But, but primarily it's Jesus that I'm getting at. So, so, so what I'm saying is the greater the sacrifice, the deeper the love. If, if it costs you like a little bit of an afternoon to help someone with a project. That's one level of love, which reminds me of a Sven and Oli joke. Um, Do you know Sven and Oli? Oh, brother from the Minnesota's been holding out on you. Sven and Oli are these Norwegians um, that when I speak like them, it sound, they sound like they're from Ireland, because I'm not very good with accents, but they're, they're two, two Norwegians who aren't very intelligent, all right? That's the whole premise of, you, you can grasp Sven and Ole jokes already, all right? And, and, and so, so Sven is outside, and he's working on, on something, and Ole comes over, and he says, hey, can I help you with that? And, and Sven says, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, I'm working on the car. And he's like, what are you f- trying to fix? And he says, I'm trying to fix the blinker. He goes, why don't you go up front, tell me if it's working, and so Oli goes up front and he, he goes, all right, go ahead, try. He says, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no. There's the rest of you. Usually there's, a, there's two waves to that. There's two waves. But seriously, you've helped someone move. Like that's a huge sacrifice of love, isn't it? But it's done in a day. Now, Now compare that. Cost, the cost of giving some time or some energy or some finances to the person who maybe gets a second job to help put their kids through college because they love their child. And so, so, so or, or in our case, the, the, the actual um, reality is you'd get a second job to pay for your kids' braces, right? Because that's the equivalent of college tuition right now, too. Um, and so, so the cost of love of helping someone move or work on a car or something like that is one level. But if you go and, and, and like you're spending days and hours contributing to help someone else, that's another thing. But then there's there's what Jesus did was his, his love was demonstrated in that it cost him his life. In fact, Ephesians 5 verses 1-2 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. There's this, this unpacking where, where the demonstration of Jesus' love for you was his whole life. You and I were the recipients of of this extravagant love that is even worded as an offering, as a, a fragrant aroma. And it's actually, uh, it's, a, it's a throwback to Leviticus. There's five offerings talked about in Leviticus, everyone's favorite book of the Bible to read, right? And the first one is this burnt offering. The second one is, is known as the bread offering or the grain offering. And, and, and the grain offering or, or bread offering, it, it parallels What a people would do if there is a king who is in charge of them that's not their own people, they would pay tribute to that king and it would be in the form of a bread offering or a grain offering and it would please that king and he would allow them to continue to function. And what Jesus is saying is, here's what, there's a king, there's, there's a heavenly father and I gave my life as a tribute for you. That, that's what I did. And so the, the level of love is one, one of the ways we measure its depth is how much it costs. And again, I, I want to go back to this. You become so familiar with it that you, you cease to see the amazement of it. And so sometimes it's helpful to look at something smaller, lesser, be amazed by that so you can be reminded of a greater love. which reminds me of a Chuck Colson story of a group of American prisoners uh, during World War II. Um, They were being held captive in a prison camp by the Japanese. and, and, And what would happen was this prison labor camp, each of them had to dig all day. And then at the end of the day, when evening came, they would turn in their tools and they had to like kind of show that they were still there. And one evening, 20 prisoners were lined up and the, the guard comes, and he starts counting all the shovels, and he gets to 19, and there's supposed to be 20, and he, he, he starts yelling and demanding, who stole the shovel? And, 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 and no one responded, and so he said, all right, then fine. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to shoot the first five of you until the right until the person fesses up and like 10 seconds of tension kind of goes through and then this 19-year-old soldier steps forward. Guard pulls him aside and shoots him. He leaves and the guard, the guard leaves and the other 19 soldiers are kind of like, and they go to hang up the tools and they go over by their friend and, and there they, they count 20 shovels. The prison guard miscounted. And it dawns on the other 19 soldiers that this guy, who was 19 years old, in an act of selflessness, when no, he didn't do anything wrong, took a step forward. They're lifting up their friend, realizing how he gave his life for them. I mean, can you imagine how their hearts felt? Like what that guy just did for them? I mean, that guy, he still had a future, right? Could have got married, could have had a career, could have had children, could have gone fishing with his dad maybe, or I don't know. Yet he chose death. Jesus said, Greater love has no one than this, that one lays down his life for his friends. It's interesting. Like, we know that Jesus loved us like that, right? I mean, would, it, would the story feel different if he was an 89 year old soldier? Think about that. It, an 89 year old, well, he's lived a good life, he's wise. 19? So much potential. Wasn't Jesus young? 33? I mean, he was the oldest son of a widowed mom. He had some responsibility. He he was innocent. There's no fault found in Jesus. So I'm just trying to help us consider the different measures depth of love. And one of the factors in it is how much did it cost? And it cost him everything. Here's the second one. It's worthiness. Meaning the recipient. How worthy is the recipient of the love? I met this uh, new friend of mine back in March and April. His name is Andy. And he is the wildest dude I've ever met in my life. I kid you not. Like, I, I mean, dude's crazy. He's traveling all over, and 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 so during the week he owns a marketing company that works with GM and Mobile, and I mean he's just flying private jets. By weekend he's a pastor, right? So I mean, I don't know why, but we we hit it off. And uh, just last week he was out in Vegas for this massive car show called SEMA. Uh, I don't know much about cars, but I guess it's like the largest non-public trade show. And he gets a ton of business there and he's in charge of designing both different parts on the vehicles as well as like the displays of vehicles. I got a couple pictures of stuff that he, he kind of worked on. And so he, he's like, and then what's the other one? I've got like 30 on my phone. He just kept hitting me up with stuff and I was like, wow, that's cool. But I don't even know if it's cool, but I'm just, I, I just trust him. He, then he sent me a video of him driving a Tesla in an underground tunnel in Vegas. As you do, right? And he's like, hey, next year, you want to come out with me? Yes. <laughs> I love I love engines. Um, <laughs> later in the week, he he asked me to help him with a couple of things that he's working on the weekend. I was like, no. Yes! Right? Like it was easy for me, like because of our friendship. Now I have another uh, guy and and his name is Robert. And I've known Robert for 14 years. I first met him at a soup kitchen. And uh, he and his mom came in. And about seven, eight years ago, his mom passed away. And uh, Robert, I think, Toby doesn't even turn like 29 this, this week. Yeah, so um, just, he's just struggled financially, struggled uh, relationally, struggled in, in so many different ways. He bounces from an aunt to a friend's house. And every time I see him, like we used to talk basketball at the soup kitchen. We'd see each other most days. And, and so we talked. But every time I see him, I know he's going to ask me for money. And almost every time, I, I, I give him money. And he disappears for like a couple of months. And then all of a sudden, there's like 30 text messages. And like, he's like, hey, when, I haven't seen you for a while. And I know. And so then, then we meet up. And he again asks me for some money. OK, now let, let, me, let, me, let me throw a third character in. Let's, this, this, I'm making this one up. Let's pretend there's another person. Um, and every time I see this person, they just cuss at me. They just they talk bad about my wife. They egged my car. They drove over my dog. They punched one of my kids. <laughs> so not a real person. <laughs> okay, so I'm talking about different measures or, de- or depths of weighing love, right? And the worthiness of the recipient. It seems logical that the first one, Andy, who has all kinds of perks to offer back to me, who's just crazy, like super worthy of my love. Robert, long-standing relationship, doesn't add a lot of value, but like there's a version of I love him. And then there's the third person, this person who like you would say not worthy. I would hope you'd be like, right, you know, like that's, you know, if they're doing that to you, you don't, right? And so, so, so in this, I'm just trying to paint a picture because enter Jesus, and in Romans um, 5, verses 6 through 8, it says, for while we were still weak, which means utterly helpless. Biblical definition would be sick and unable to make a contribution. So while we were unable to make a contribution, At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, the irreverent, the one who didn't fear God. God died for the one who didn't want God. That's what Jesus did. And for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, in a state of wrong direction, in a state of still being offensive, Christ died for us. Verse 10 of that same chapter says while we were still enemies, meaning we were literally fighting God as God is trying to love us. Andy, Robert, random dude. Random dude best represents you and I in the state of how Christ came in. To are, you, are, you, are you remembering again who Christ is and the depth of his love? It's revealed by him loving us who are weak and helpless on our own. And let me give you a third benefit. A third, a third, a third measure is uh, we know the depth of someone's love for us by the greatness of the benefits we receive in being loved. Meaning someone shows you love but like did they give you a tic-tac? Ooh. Maybe you needed it. Um, did they give you Thousand dollars. Notice, there's a difference in the benefit of someone's love. I love you. Here's a tic-tac. I love you. Here's a thousand dollars. You're like, <laughs> I like the second guy. He loves me better, right? So, so let me unpack this. Um, if if someone were to help you pass an exam, like I, I remember, I couldn't spell the word orange in like fifth grade. Just, I was a bad speller. I, I, horrible today, still really struggle. And someone, someone was giving me some ideas on how to spell the colors because I, I just struggled at that. And like I passed my first spelling test and I was just like, it just, I was like, wow. I, I, wish, I wish someone would have told me that sooner. Now, now, that's one version, but like what about if someone needed a job and, and, and someone said, well, I know... I know the job you applied for. I know the boss. So that person goes and talks to the boss, and he's just like, hey, you interviewed so-and-so. He's like, yeah, I was going to go with another person. Like, and they vouch for you. Like, like they put themselves out there like, no, 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 you got to hire Joe. He's, he's going to be brilliant. I know him. I, like, and then comes back, and the guy says, you know, I wasn't going to give you the job, but so-and-so came in and just, just couldn't stop talking about you. You, you. You'd be like, whoa, the benefit." of that person loving you in that situation is massive. But now, (laughs) compare that to like the soldiers that I described from World War II. Someone came and rescued them. The benefit is they're no longer in prison labor. Let's, Let's go through the scale of which one has which depth of love. Pass the spelling test. Huge benefit. Except when you compare it to, I have a job that I didn't have. Which seems amazing until you compare it to prison labor, freedom. And what state were you in when Christ showed up? When Christ came for you? What benefit did you receive? 1 John, verse 3 or chapter 3, verse 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. The benefit of what Christ did selflessly and sacrificially is that we are now in a family that is got an inheritance. We are in a family where we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit to lead us. We are now children of God, meaning we are light to the world. There is a benefit for us because of what Christ has done. And it far outweighs any other benefit. There is both a benefit now and a benefit in the future. What once you did deserve is no longer on you, and what, what, what you never could have earned is now deposited into your account. The benefit? I was going to have eternal separation from God, but now I have eternal life with God. But we've lost the amazement. The love is so amazing! I think oftentimes we treat it like spelling bee. Like, yeah, God forgave me. Passed the test. Whew. But the weight of being so far gone and the benefit of now being so close, it just moves me. I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm the only one. All right, fourth one. The fourth way we know the, the depth of love, and I would say the depth of Christ's heart, his heart for us, is by the freedom with which he loved us. It's freedom. If a person does things for us because someone is making them, does it feel really good? For, for example, um, this week it, uh, it's my wife and my sister-in-law's birthday. Hello, Tuesday. Get your cards going, <laughs> right? Thursday? Thursday? Oh, you're a day after? Yes. Yours is still Wednesday, Jenny? <laughs> I got you Chex Mix. That's really for me. Um, but, 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 okay, so, so let's say I, I, I tell my kids, like, you got to get mom a birthday gift. 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 Okay, so I go and buy a birthday gift for my kids to give to their mom, right? Like, I mean, there's love in that. But what if unprompted, like not, not reminded by me, the kids got together, and I'm not pretending you're going to actually do this, Sophie, you know. But like they were just talking, they're like, you know what? Let's all go get uh, a picture of all of us taken together. Get blown up and framed and and, get, and give it give it to mom. You're going to pay for someone to actually take the picture, pay for someone to, to print the picture, pay for someone to frame the picture, and we're going to use our own money. Like they wouldn't have to do any of that, but the... But, but the freedom of which, they, like they just chose to do it. Can, can, you, can you see the difference between them being told and having a gift provided to give to their mom versus them coming up with it on their own? The, I'm trying to help you understand the different depths of love his heart has for you. And if he had to do it, like that would be, okay, thank you. But he wanted to do it. He freely did it. He said, "I I couldn't imagine not doing it. uh, uh, It just makes me think, like, (laughs) if an insurance company pays you $10,000 because your car, like, something happened, you wouldn't be like, wow, that insurance company loves me. (laughs) So amazing. No, like, they were, like, legally obligated, weren't they? It didn't feel like free love. It felt like good. It should have been 11, you know, like. (laughs) But compare that to my friend, Brady. Brady's a single dad who has spent quite a bit of time in jail. He's just made a lot of bad choices in life. But four years ago, he started coming to the bridge, and God just grabbed a hold of his heart. He received Jesus as his Lord and Savior, got baptized, jumped onto our, our serving team. Like our, We have a setup team. It's crazy, but we have been portable for 14 years. So every Sunday, people come in and set up all of church for us and then tear it down. And, 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 and so, so Brady's on this team that gets, gets there on a Sunday morning at 6 a.m. to start setting up for us. That's a typical thing. But we're getting used to it. Because it's been 14 years. Um, and a few months ago, his car quit working, and he couldn't, he couldn't get to work. He couldn't pick up his son for school or drop him off. And so these guys on the setup team decided to start passing an envelope around. Now, they themselves didn't have amazing means. Like, but like, they did what they could. But someone found out about what they were doing who did have means and filled in a massive amount to which these guys now on the serve team, the setup team, they're just like, oh, wow. They went and found a great deal on a used car and bought it. And then they asked Brady to show up and, and take it for a test drive. They're like, hey, we want you to take this vehicle for a test drive. So Braid takes it for a test drive, and they're like, what do you think? And he's just like, guys, I just don't, he's like, I, I can't, I don't have any money. And they're like, those are your keys. I got the video of it on my phone, and I just watch it to remember. A man who is so grateful for the love of friends, did any of them have to give money? No. Which made the gift of love so deep. Brady's just a mess. He's like, No, yeah, have you ever just been blown away? Like, he's just like, I can't repay you. We, we didn't want the repayment. We didn't want to be able, like, we just want you to be loved. We just want to help. We just want, and he's just overwhelmed by it. Love, when it's, On contract, love when it's forced is not all that appealing, but when love is given freely, draws us in. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 10. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. Jesus like I wasn't pressured into doing this. I did it because I love you. Love is measured in different ways by its cost. The worthiness of the recipient, the benefit, but also the freedom. He chose you. He wanted to love you. I know I heard your services go a lot longer, but that's about all I got, so I'm going to ask the keys person to come up. <laughs> I told you I put this together late. Um, you know, I actually did have this other message kind of prepared. And um, recently I was studying the Ten Commandments, and what I didn't realize was that the Ten Commandments actually mirror a, a Jewish wedding ceremony. And a Jewish wedding ceremonies, they have these, these four different parts. Um, the first is a mikvah, which is basically a ceremonial cleaning. like um, It's, a, it's a, basically a bath tank, in fact, um, they're just kind of in the ground. And, and, and God said, tomorrow is a big day. Moses is going to receive the Ten Commandments and everything, and it's going to be a big day. And, and, and so prepare today, Prepare today, and I mean, how many of you know if a bride is going to get married, she's not like, "Well, where's my sweatpants at?" <laughs> right? Like, no, no. There's some thought that goes into this thing. The second part of a Jewish wedding is is a hoopah. Everybody say hoopah. Oh man, I love the hoopah. Uh, a hoopah is a prayer shawl. Actually. Uh, being held by two groomsmen, uh, they, they, they attach the four corners to sticks, and so one groomsman would be here, holding it up, and the other one would be here. And the couple actually exchanges their vows and everything underneath the hoopah. And the hoopah is a banner, it's a covering. It's an open space between heaven and Earth. And the vows are exchanged underneath the hoopah. There's a third element, but the fourth element is called a ketubah. I actually got a picture of a ketubah, uh, I think, yeah. So this is what a ketubah is, and it's a legal document where, where it starts by stating how the, who, who, the, who the groom is and how the couple met, okay? And then what would happen is the couple would agree on for this marriage to work good. We're going to agree to some things. We call them vows, but like we're going to agree on these kind of things, right? So, so I want to bring you back to the Ten Commandments. Maybe you know the story. But so like the people do this ceremonial washing, this mikvah thing, and then this cloud appears, this covering, this cloud comes down on the mountain. And then what happens next is God says, I am the Lord your God, He's the groom. How'd we meet? You know, my wife and I, we met in Memphis throwing luggage over a fence, you know, like, so our mikvah would say, like, I'm Marty Schmidt, and I remember when we were running from the police, right? You know, that's that's what ours would say. But God says, I'm the Lord, your God, who rescued you out of Egypt, who delivered you from your slavery. First commandment you shall have no other gods. Sounds like a rule, but can you imagine a bride and groom having a vow where like, you are my one of many. <laughs> Makes no sense, right? So God says, you, you should only love me. Do not miss, uh, do not make other idols. Like don't, don't fall in love with my stuff more than me, be like a bride marrying a groom for just his money. God's like, no, no, no. Let's agree. Like that's not part. Don't misuse my name. Like, don't speak bad about me in public. Can you imagine that wedding vow? Like, hey, sometimes when I'm with my buddies, I kind of throw you under the bus, kind of thing. No, it makes no sense. Honor the Sabbath day. Honor the Sabbath day. Like. Could we have date night? Could we, could we spend time together once a week? But then we're not only, when, when we get married, we, it's not just husband and wife, but we're marrying each other's family. So then there's all these other kinds of things that we're going to agree about. Like, I'm going to treat the rest of the family well so there's no murder. There's no Like, there's these different things. Does that make sense? Right. This seems like good vows. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, Learning all this about the Ten Commandments, where like I thought they were all rules, but they're really just wedding language. This is just vows. But then here's how they end. Here's the ketubah ends with the groom signs it. There's two copies of this actually. They eat. They eat. They, there's two copies of a ketubah, right? And different people debate one for her, one for him. One say one gets one gets held for safety. And one goes with him. There's all kinds of different things. But at the end, it, this is how it's, how it's signed. It says, it's signed by the groom. And he says, and even if you get in trouble, and even if you get in debt, and even if you run away, I will do whatever I can to win you back, pay for your debts, even if it costs me my life. So you look at the Ten Commandments and like, I'm like, I can't, I can't do it. I mean, I try, but I fall short in all of them. But then, then the, 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 the bottom is this. Marty, even when you fall short, even when you screw up, even when you, your sins put you in debt, I will come for you and I will comfort you. I will defend you and pay off your debts. I will die for you. Have we lost the wonder of the love of God? It's so grand. So what's our response? How do, we, how do we step back into this awe and wonder? I, I think it's it's one. We, we return to worship and say, God, I just need to worship you afresh again. I need to praise you and honor you and love you. And then I want to I honor some vows that we made, and I want to love others well. And so that's how we're going to end today. We're going to worship, and then we're going to depart, and our, our heartbeat is to have his heart, which is selflessly sacrificial. One last verse, and I'll pray. Zechariah 9, verse 9. I've been praying and just feeling that the Spirit of the Lord is just saying we are in a time of Zechariah, so I've been trying to understand this crazy book. But Zechariah 9, verse 9 says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. There's this, this this lowly word. This is also gentle, low, lowly, humble. And, 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 and we've been looking at his heart, right? His heart is gentle and lonely. And here Zechariah calls the shot. He says, There's a king coming who's victorious and kind. That's who we're worshiping. The victor and the one who has amazing depth of love for us. Let's pray. Father God, right now, pray for a return of your spirit's awe and wonder, mystery and beauty. Pray for holy moments where we just come to terms with how good you've been, how faithful you've been, how merciful you've been, how consistent you've been, how mighty you've been, your hope, your tenderness, your strength, your presence. It's with us, fueling us and refining us, correcting us, positioning us. God, I I pray that the Spirit of God would start to speak to us. We're reminded about how much we're loved, but then we would also be able to Love others well. So we say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. I'm gonna continue in worship.